You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. This past April, my wife and I, Steph, closed on our first ever home right here in New Ulm. We're so excited to be able to put down roots, and we look forward to many years of fruitful life and ministry with our congregation of First UMC here together. I'd like to say a big thank you to Jerry Sandman for working with us to show us the house and then walking us through closing, as well as everyone who showed up to help us move boxes and furniture. We are so very grateful to all of you for your prayers, your support, and your presence. Now, one of the selling points for us, or at least for me, was the kitchen. White cabinets, light-colored wood floor, plenty of light, and a newish range and oven for me to bake things in. If you follow me on Facebook at all, you might have seen some of my posts about baked goods. I'm a bit of a home baker. It's a hobby that my family really likes, too. I can't imagine why. But I've been thinking about what the first recipe I bake in my new kitchen will be the past few days. And I think I've landed on the recipe for the first yeasted bread I ever made, honey oatmeal bread, which like any bread has all the same building blocks, flour, water, salt, and yeast. It's a tried and true recipe that I've made so many times I could probably do it in my sleep at this point. Now the story behind this honey oatmeal bread is that I got it from my worship professor in college, but it sat in a Word document on my computer for years, left untested, because I had never baked with yeast before. But I also realized that if I didn't use yeast, it might taste okay, but it wouldn't be the same. And this is actually where we pick up our scripture text for this morning from Luke chapter 24, verses 36b through 48, the scene where Jesus appears to the disciples. And while this text might sound familiar, it's because this is Luke's own account of Jesus appearing to the disciples after his resurrection. Because while there are many similarities between the two, Luke's gospel has some noticeable differences that I think we need to pay attention to as modern readers and hearers of this passage. But it begins in the same way John's account does. Jesus himself himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Which we heard about last week as well, how the risen Christ came to the disciples in the midst of their fear, their grief, their confusion, and spoke a word of blessing over them. How Jesus showed up to the disciples in the midst of their pain, and their grief and their confusion. But one of the characteristics of Luke's account of this story is that it's placed right after the story of the walk to Emmaus, how Jesus showed up to the two disciples who were walking on the road towards Emmaus, and they realize it's him only after he broke bread and was about to eat with them. So just as the disciples are discussing Jesus's appearance to these two, Jesus shows up to all of them. And it's striking to see how Jesus' interactions with the disciples are different, how Luke's narrative focuses in on the physical aspects of the resurrection and not just the spiritual ones. And so in the midst of the disciples being startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost, Jesus replies to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
And as if that isn't proof enough for the disciples, Jesus also asks for a piece of broiled fish and eats it in front of the disciples. And it's interesting, too, how Luke uses the additional examples of Jesus showing himself to the disciples to reinforce the point of Jesus' physical bodily resurrection, which leads us to the question, do we affirm a physical resurrection? And just as important, why does that matter? I remember having a conversation about this very topic in my Synoptic Gospels class in college. It matters, friends, because if the resurrection of Christ is central to our theology, that is, what we believe about Jesus and about God, then that will shape how we see God and ourselves as well. Because you see that as the people called United Methodists, we are called into a life that emulates the fullness of God in our lives. We are a people called to be transformed by grace, which means the recovery of the whole self. Not that we are detached, dissociated spirits from bodies, but instead that both and every part of the self matters. It's why I've shared openly about my own experiences around mental health. But I also believe in a holistic sense of well-being, body, mind, and spirit. It's why I take a medication for my depression, try to drink as much water as I can, and seek to connect with God in my life in new and different ways. But it's also why I believe so deeply in what John Wesley called the means of grace, different physical things that point us towards the grace of God, like, for example, partaking of communion, engaging with scripture and prayer, but also finding other things that connect me with God, like baking, for example. Because baking is a spiritual act for me. I mention all of this because our theology needs to be an integrated one, body and spirit together, not separated. Because it's only when we see ourselves as whole beings can we be made fully into the image of Christ in our midst, which is, what, which is what's referred to as sanctification, to be completely surrendered to the presence of Christ in our midst. I'm also struck by the way in which Luke phrases the disciples' reactions to Jesus. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. That strikes me as a powerful act of witness for the disciples, that they can have joy and still wonder and have doubts and tend to their grief. What a beautiful reminder that we don't have to have our acts together for God to love us and that instead we are loved just as we are, messes and all. A friend and colleague of mine wrote a book, wrote a book a few years ago. Uh, her name is Marlena Graves, and the, and the title of the book is A Beautiful Disaster, and I think that's accurate. Can I get an amen? And it reminds me of that movie from Pixar a few years ago, Inside Out, about a teenager named Riley who moves from Minnesota to California because of her dad's job. And after having all these traumatic experiences and working through the personified emotions she's feeling in her head, at the end of the movie, a new core memory appears in her brain from being embraced by her parents after a really hard week. And the memory shows two different colors, blue and yellow, one for sadness and one for joy. It's the first mixed emotion memory that we see in the movie, but it speaks to the complexity of life, I think, as well. Just like the disciples felt all the feelings on that first Easter evening, so we can feel all the feelings in our own lives, and that God loves us through it all. 
And in the midst of the presence of the risen Christ, the disciples are taught once again by Jesus, reminding them of their Jewish roots and commissioning them. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now here, at the end of our gospel text, St. Luke is setting the stage for both the ascension of Christ, but also as a hinge period that will lead him into the second volume of his work, the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, to tell his audience of the formation and work of the early church following the day of Pentecost. And so, dear friends, we are left with another story of the appearance of Christ to a grieving, confused, scared, and anxious group of disciples. And another example of how Jesus shows up in the midst of the messiness of our lives. We've given, we're given evidence of affirmation of a bodily resurrection and why it matters. Because we are a people who live integrated lives. We are not just spiritual beings, nor just physical beings, but both together. We see how Jesus sent out the disciples to be his witnesses, but also to wait for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come upon them, to equip them for future ministry. We are these people, dear friends. We are called to bear witness to the risen Christ, to wait expectantly for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and to embrace the God who embraces every aspect of who we are as God's children. May it always be so. Amen.